0: I would say that probably one of the basic tenets of Christianity has to do with how we treat people, wouldn't you? <laughs> we are to treat people a certain way. And 1 Timothy chapter number five teaches us, it gives us doctrinal truth on how to treat people within the local church. It's uh, 1 Timothy 5 gives, gives us scriptural government, in other words, how to govern ourselves, how to treat people, how to treat men, how to treat women, how to treat widows, how to treat those that are older or elders, how we should treat potential leaders, all of that we're going to look at. First Timothy 5, we'll read verse number one, Bible says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Now this word rebuke that shows up, the first word in the chapter, it's a strong word. It's a word that many stay away from, but it is a biblical term. So before we start to get a deep dive into this text, I'd like to go to Ecclesiastes 7 and I'd like to look at just a few spots that the word rebuke is used so we can get a biblical definition of the word. In Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, Bible says in verse number five, man, this is such a good, good verse. It, it, this is something that should be on every mama's refrigerator or every, every household uh, somewhere in a plaque in their living room. It says this, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. And a lot of times we just have this song of foolishness ringing through our ears and we stay away from the rebuke of the wise. You know, Jesus said, as many as I love, he said, I rebuke and chasten. Our heavenly father loves us so much that he's willing to rebuke us and he is willing to chasten us. Parents, we love our children so much. We're willing to rebuke them and chasten them. And this, in Ecclesiastes 7, this verse is really good. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise. Listen for that. It's good. Um, Look at um, Luke chapter 19. Turn there. Luke chapter 9, for number 19. It's a good thing to hear rebuke. We looked at that. Um, in Zechariah 3, the Lord says, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Rebuke is a phrase that's used, and it means to put in check or to restrain. In Psalm 6, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Rebuke brings with it the definition of punishing or affliction for correction. And in Luke chapter number 19, we get uh, some more truth regarding this word. Luke chapter 19, let's read, look at verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives... The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. I think we should do do more of that. We get to do that in church when we sing, and we get to do that. We should do that. We should do that more, and there's various ways we can lift our voice to God. Let's keep reading. They're saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, master, rebuke thy disciples. What are they wanting them to do? Hey, calm those guys down. Silence those guys. Kind of squash what's going on that's the idea behind this context of the word rebuke master rebuke thy disciples and he answered and he said unto them I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out I thought that's pretty good yeah I can quiet them down but there'll be some something else that'll that'll rejoice in my name and when he was come near he beheld the city and he wept over it God God wants us praising his name. Uh, But we see that this word rebuke, when we're keying in on this, it can also bring about, hey, quiet down, calm down. And when we rebuke our children, it's a little bit different than chastening. We might have to calm them down. The disciples wrongly asked Jesus to rebuke something that he had no interest in rebuking. But it does bring about the connotation of, hey, we need some healing here. Let's 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 calm down. We see Jesus rebuking fevers; it's a healing. We see Jesus um, rebuking the winds and the sea. What is that? He's calming that down. And as parents and and grandparents uh, with our children and grandchildren, uh, those rebukes are important. We got to calm them down sometimes. So that's the idea there. Go to Philippians two. Get one more. One more verse on rebuke. Give us a short word study on that. Uh, Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Verse number 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that's an all things verse that's hard to live out easy to preach hard to live out young people all things that means your chores that means your homework that means the the stuff that mom and dad have for you but all things without murmurings and disputings verse 15 why god gives us the reason why that semicolon between verse 14 and 15 ties it together with some biblical reasoning that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. God is telling us as Christians, we need to make it a priority to live our lives in such a way that the world isn't always seeing us as the ones in need of rebuke. Man, those Christians, we just got to keep calming them down. We got to keep rebuking them. God does not want us to live like that. That's why that verse 14 says, hey, all things without murmurings and what is it? Disputings. Because if we live our life like that, this rebuke going to come at us and the world's going to see that and really the light's dimming it's kind of you know we're not getting more light people are seeing us as man they're just like the world so we want to live a life where we're blameless we don't need to be rebuked the world will see that and that will allow God to get glory and his light to shine forth um Going back to 1 Timothy, we might as well go ahead and get our spot back there in 1 Timothy. He is not being told to never communicate with someone that's older. But the lesson on how to treat someone that is older is that it should be with reverence and with respect. And if there's one thing that's missing in American culture, it's just that there's no respect for elders anymore. And if you're 20, you don't have all the answers. So you listen to the person that's 40. And if you're 40, you lived half your life. Listen to the person that's 80. And if there's a disagreement or there's something that needs to be discussed, the way that we treat the older person, God says in 1 Timothy, is more important than the rebuke. He's not saying that old, he's not saying just because you're older, you stand to never be corrected. Because if that was the case, we would just always try to find people one year younger than us, right? We'd find a way to loophole ourselves into getting that taken care of. No. God wants us. It's not that an older person doesn't ever need to be corrected, but it's how the younger approaches the older. And it's very important we get it so that we don't don't ruin our testimony. Here's what Spurgeon said. I thought this was a great quote by Spurgeon. A sensible friend who will unsparingly criticize you from week to week will be a far greater blessing to you than a thousand undiscriminating admirers that's a strong quote by Spurgeon he goes on to say if you have sense enough to bear his treatment and grace enough to be thankful for it (laughs) somebody's going to rebuke you you better have some sense enough to bear it but grace enough to be thankful for it I thought that was pretty good let us all be willing to receive a little bit of rebuke so How do you entreat someone that is older than you? It's real simple. With a Christ-like spirit, not a Cain-like spirit. Well, am I my brother's keeper? No, not that attitude. Instead, do I genuinely care about my brother's reputation? Do I genuinely care about my brother's well-being? And if you do, if I do, we'll have a better approach to people nobody likes a nitpicker or a fault finder young people pay attention look here have you ever done that you just wake up and today I'm just going to be the nitpicker or if you had a sibling that's done that you know that's not fun nobody likes the constant fault finder so God help us to not be that guy or that gal alright so what's a practical example of I'll give you one Let's say there's a saved man, an older man, he's older than the pastor. And let's say we're having a church picnic. The spring rolls around and we're having a church picnic and we're serving food outside and someone and and, and this older man, he's wearing a baseball cap that says Trump 2024. You, now, you know, you know that if, a, if, if, a, if someone from an opposing party that was lost, you know if they came to that church outreach and, and, and they came to that church picnic that we were having, and we invited the public, you know that they would immediately be turned off to our church and to the gospel. Are you saying you're against Trump and you're not going to and you're going to vote for Biden? I'm not saying any of that. That's not the point. <clears throat> what I'm saying is I would have to entreat that older man as a father and respectfully and reverently have a conversation about how can we make the gospel to be the only offense and not something else? The last thing I would want is a lost Democrat to come into our church assembly and not have an opportunity to be offended by the gospel because we put something else in front of their plate that offended them and they've already got a wall up now and it's done. Now, are you saying that's going to happen? It probably is never going to happen. But that's an example of what could happen. And some of these the, these things just have to be talked about and addressed. But it's the approach. It's the approach. Young adults, your dad ever do something that you didn't like? You you have a way that you approach dad that's respectful and reverent that allows the conversation to open up. God says you do the same thing with a a man that's older than you in the church. You entreat him, you come to him as if he's your father. You treat him with respect and with reverence. Our love for Christ and our love for Christ's people should compel us to speak in a reverent and respectful way. A pastor needs two things nowadays. I think he's always need these two things. Genuine care for God's people. And a considerable amount of courage to speak up when needed. I believe if you have one without the other, it's going to be, it's eventually going to end up in some type of train wreck. You can care for people, but you're afraid to speak. You can just be bold in speaking, but you really don't care about people. It's always going to be a train wreck. Got to have both. Here's some questions. I wrote down these questions. I'm going to ask them to all of us, myself included. Do you pray about being gracious before you have to speak to someone that may be confrontational? Question number two, do you listen graciously And do you pray before responding in the same type of confrontational situation? Question three. Is your spirit, motive, and heart right with God before you come and speak to someone older? Do you honestly desire in your heart to be a help this person or persons and the church body? Is that your sincere desire? Or is your desire to just blow off steam and we need a target and well you're there. (laughs) There's a difference. Are you trying to win someone over to a deeper relationship with the Lord? Or Do you have an axe to grind and you just want to win this argument? But I'm right. Yeah, but it's also right to try to win someone to a deeper relationship with Christ. I believe those are some really good questions that we all should ponder. I'll say this in 1 Timothy 5 when it says rebuke not an elder. That is a correct translation. It's it's not a mistranslation. Um, Some argue and say it should be elderly person because they want to make the distinction between uh, saying that this is not a reference to someone holding the church office of an elder. But I believe it's right. Back in Genesis 10, we see the context, the brother of Japheth, the elder. It's also a term that's used to reference an older person. Genesis 25, it talks about the elder shall serve the younger in reference to Jacob. And then Esau, the elder. In 1 Samuel 18, Saul refers to his elder daughter. So there's enough references to clearly show that age is in context. And that's exactly what's in context here. And then we see it moves from men. And then it moves to women. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So it's clearly an age, a reference to age. So we looked at the word rebuke. We're going to come back to verse two in a minute, but there's also another word in verse number one, rebuke, not an elder, but entreat him. That's an urgent plea. When you entreat somebody, that's an, ur- that's an earnest petition. You would never, I hope you would never, never, harshly approach or harshly communicate to your father. You would, no, Nobody would do that. Not a Christian. So God's given us the picture why would you do that to an older man in the church? You wouldn't. You shouldn't. If you've ever looked at any Asian or Oriental cultures it's much different than disrespectful American culture if you look at some of the cities in the United States and you get to Chinatown you will notice that it is a cleaner city compared to the other part of the city because they would consider it, they would be disrespecting their family if they left things a mess the Asian cultures have a deep respect for the elder. That's a biblical principle. We can't lose it. You look at some of the, you look at culturally at, at, at 20, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings, it is being lost in American culture. Why? We've thrown out the Bible. Asian cultures They might not have the Bible, but they've got that Bible truth, and they stick with it. They hold to it. Okay, younger men as brethren, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. They're not lower than you, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we say, hey, brother, let we say, hey, sister, um, we have a heavenly father, right? And we have a heavenly father that makes us, is God your father? God's my father. That makes us his children, which would make us brothers and sisters. We get it in a family relationship. What do you think? Uh, mom cooks dinner and gathers everybody around the table and says, yeah, dad, you sit in the living room. What? <laughs> You go sit in the corner. Or mom and dad make dinner and they come around the table and they say to the, uh, and then the older brother says to the younger brother, I'll tell you what, why don't you just go in the backyard and enjoy supper by yourself? No family would do that. The older brother wouldn't treat the younger brother that way. We're all a family. The family all gathers around the family table that's what we are we're a church family we all come together we are brothers and sisters enjoying a relationship together under our heavenly father's guidance and we should praise the lord for it all right first timothy chapter five verse number two it says the elder women as mothers the younger as sisters with all purity Does anybody remember the the term chivalry, the word chivalry? There's a tone that comes along with chivalry. Young people, let me hear you say that, that word. That's a good word to say, chivalry. Let's hear it. Chivalry. Right, right. There is an attitude and a tone of respect that comes with that word. And do you know how a church can solve all of their problems if they have any thank God we don't and I want to stay that way cuz I think we got a hold of this principle. We're talking about it tonight but I believe we've got a hold of it. But a local church could solve all their problems with immorality if they would view the women and the and the young women and the ladies in their church as sisters. <laughs> Nobody's going to treat my my blood sister a certain way. I remember there's a problem. Well, we, when we were kids, we lived in the, uh, we lived on this development, and a bunch of kids around. There was something going on, and I remember nobody's going to treat my sister that way. I remember stepping in there as her brother saying, "No, why would you look at the ladies in the church?" any other way they are your sister talked about this a little bit at the uh, bible conference in in virginia we we look at our men we look at our wives submit and we look at this submission in the context of well that's my wife and she has to submit except in ephesians the verse right before it talks about submitting one to another And it's this view that she's not just your wife, she's your sister in the Lord. (laughs) And every saved lady in our church is your sister in Christ. So you protect her, you watch after her, you're concerned about her well-being the same way you would be with your blood sister. No one's going to mess with your little sister. Hey, no one's messing with my kid's sister the local church should take that attitude with its women. Nobody's messing with them. And when we get that, when we get that, we'll solve a lot of problems. And I I believe we've got it, but you look at the church culturally at large, they don't have it. They don't have it. The other thing regarding this verse, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. This isn't some, you know, guys just being soft. (laughs) Paul and Timothy are teaching the Word of God and some of the issues they're teaching to women is modest apparel, godliness unto all good works, This is the part where I have to apply the courage part, uh, Brother Danny. I I care for people, but I also must be courageous enough to say these things. But Paul and Timothy are also teaching women to be quiet in church, meaning they're not going to come up and preach. Is it okay to say that? (laughs) It is okay to say that. And I'm saying that to make the point, Paul and Timothy are, t- are tackling tough issues. They're not shying away from these issues, but the approach that they're taking is of utmost, utmost importance. What does the end of the verse say? We'll look at it. What's the approach? With all what? Purity. 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 That's the goal within relationships. Purity. And I believe that's why why our church will grow spiritually because we're going to get a hold of this principle of purity. Guard our hearts, God. Guard the hearts of all involved in our local assembly. Guard our hearts to stay pure. Young people, you want to keep your hearts pure? Put some good things in your eyes, and your ears, in your mind. So it drops down into your heart. Because all that's going to come out one way or another. We can only keep you locked up in your room for so long, right? I mean, eventually you got to come out. <laughs> and I'm telling you, what's in your heart, eventually it's got to come out. And it's going to come out. Watch our words. Watch our actions. We don't want anything that we say or do to be misconstrued as improper. I teach this to my kids all the time. I said, look, I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm getting you. But you have to think about how that would be perceived by someone else. If you say that or you or you act like that, or you start to unpack that. Here's how it can be misconstrued. And that helps young people to mature in every thought that you have. You don't have to say. I mean, unless you want to be, a, a you know, someone's video, you go viral in that stupid comment. But we need to strive actions, thoughts, words, keep them proper and pure. We want a heart of every child that comes in here to be kept pure. Bible says, wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. You young kids, you got to know. Here's what you got to know. There's evil out there. Here's what you've got to know. Alcohol is impure. Drugs is impure. Cigarettes are impure. Dirty movies are impure. You've got to know. Things concerning evil. It's out there. Know about it. But you know what you don't need to know? All the details. That's why God says, be wise unto that which is good. You want to start unpacking something and really getting deep into a discussion about details? You want to be wise unto unto something? Let's let's do that with the things that are pure. Know that evil's over there, but we're not doing a deep dive on it. I don't want to know how to do all the stuff they do. I don't want to know it. I want to be simple concerning evil. I want to be more wiser about the stuff that's in here. I want to be more wiser about things that are pure. That's what I want deep down in my heart and my soul and my mind. I don't want to go outside every day and lift up, lift up the septic tank and stick my head down there. <laughs> I know it's out there, and I know it stinks, and I'm staying away from it. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> that's evil. That's evil. Know it's there. Know it's bad. Go go the other way. Good night. Too many people getting themselves in trouble when they don't have to. Just leave it alone. The other thing we have is every word of God. That's pure. The other thing we have is we offer pure religion undefiled. And our desire is to have a church family with pure hearts, pure minds. We'll start to get a little deeper into 1 Timothy 5, um, but I'll leave you with this thought for tonight. There really shouldn't be a big disconnect between the old and the young. Our senior saints, obviously, they're not going to be you know throwing the football in the churchyard with the young folks that's not what i'm talking about what i am talking about is the young young adults shouldn't be disconnecting and avoiding the senior saints and the senior saints shouldn't be disconnected and away from having any contact with the Younger children. We're a church family. There shouldn't be this great big gulf between ages. These relationships obviously need to be pure and appropriate, but what I'm saying is we want to have a church where the old folks can sit down with the young folks and have a conversation Isn't that neat? That's a blessing to be a part of something like that.